Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. Sometimes I'll be driving around the Bay Area and I'll just see these huge empty lots or just really big sections of land that have nothing on it. And I'll think to myself, why can't we just put more housing there? Like, I know it's more complicated than that, but now that's the question that some of the richest landowners in the Bay Area are being asked. I think the local communities, especially in the Silicon Valley, are saying, we want you to do more. You have to do more. So check out Stanford. It's got more than 8,000 acres across two counties, almost $20 billion worth of land value. So should a school like Stanford, which is not in the business of development, start to chip in a lot more? I'm Devin Kadiyama. Welcome to the Bay. We're in the midst of an unprecedented housing crisis. It is affecting everybody and everything. It's affecting the quality of our community as a region. It's uh, affecting the livelihoods of the people who live here or used to live here until recently. And the people who have the money and have the land have the power to direct that conversation or at least nudge it in a direction. Rachel Myro is senior editor of KQED Silicon Valley Desk. She and a group of reporters from across Bay Area newsrooms looked at a bunch of data from the Santa Clara County Assessor's Office, and they created this reporting project. The overarching question became, who owns Silicon Valley? So we know that Silicon Valley may include a lot of different types of cities and counties. But for the purposes of this project, the group limited their search to Santa Clara County home to some of the biggest players in the region, like Apple, Google, and Stanford. I know Stanford's got a big campus, but give me a sense of how big Stanford actually is. We actually did map it, and you look at the visual, and it's just this giant chunk of land. And, you know, I should mention it, it really straddles the borders of Santa Clara and San Mateo counties. You can drive for miles and still be on Stanford land. 
I paid a visit to uh, Steve Steiger, who's a historian with the Palo Alto Historical Association, and uh, we we got out a paper map. Remember those? <laughs> you know, he he talks about the fact that it, it is just so hard to get your mind around it because it's so much more than you know, the the iconic campus right. that we think of, you know, with the palm trees and, and the, the grass lawns and the Romanesque-inspired sandstone buildings. I mean, it's got a golf course. It's got a nature preserve. So this yellow is the Stanford Linear Accelerator, which is operated by the federal government, but it's on Stanford land. It's huge, and there are 34,000 people in its community, counting students, grad students, postdoc, faculty, service workers. This is big, a big place, and Stanford has continued to grow beyond the original land grant. It is an empire. When reporters looked at 2018 records for who had the most property value in the county, Apple had $9 billion worth, Google $7.5 billion, Stanford had almost $20 billion worth of land. How did it get so big? Well, we'll start with the original land deed, which came, I should mention, from, you know, Leland Stanford, the the one who built the western portion of America's first transcontinental railroad and uh, as a result became fabulously wealthy. And like so many of his ilk, Uh, needed not just a mansion uh, in San Francisco's Knob Hill neighborhood, but of course a country estate south of the city. Grew grapes, raised horses, uh, and collected over the years lots and lots of land. Tragedy uh, befalls his family when his uh, teenage son dies uh, of typhoid fever while on a trip to Italy. And um, this got Leland and his wife thinking, you know, what could we do in our son's honor that would, would leave a beautiful legacy? And they started to think about, you know, either first, first contributing to a university, uh, and then how about Let's start a university. Let's just do it. In 1885, they donated land to create the university. But there was this one stipulation. The land could never be sold. But for decades, Stanford was basically out in the boonies. It wasn't this attractive place like it seems now. So it was hard to attract faculty and students. Then after the post-war period, an electrical engineer named Fred Terman laid the foundation for a technological revolution to come. Herman's uh, interesting characteristics was that he was he was very nurturing of the students who came through his classes, and he did a lot to really sort of move the critical mass for technology companies away from the East Coast to the West Coast, and thus was born Silicon, Silicon Valley. Valley. So we sort of worked together with them, really helping each other uh, develop and grow. Courtesy of the Palo Alto Historical Association. The interviewer, Jane Morgan, is talking to Fred Terman, uh, and she's bringing up in 1969, there are people, locals, complaining about the explosive growth in the region. We hear 
sometimes that we are being overcome, uh, the charm of the city of Palo Alto is being lost. What would you say to this? Well, there are certainly lots of complaints about uh, things and objections to changes. If they uh, came here uh, five or eight or ten years ago, they like it that way. And they're perfectly content. And the fact that each new, uh, each new group of, you might say, immigrants that come here and settle down in Palo Alto, like the town the way it was when they arrived, even if they only arrived fairly recently, means that it can't all be bad. If they were having that conversation in 1969, do we actually know when jobs really started outgrowing the pace of, of housing? I mean, it sounds like it was almost happening back then. It was happening back then. And that's why I want you to hear from Lenny Siegel, who uh, was a Mountain View city councilman and then mayor, and now he's a housing advocate. And he's writing a book about the region. About the 60s, I dug out a flyer from 1968 about how Palo Alto had more than twice as many jobs as employed residents. So it's gotten worse because uh, we've had this unprecedented employment growth and very little housing development. People have been talking about this as a problem impacting the community currently for many, many years. But of course, it's just in the last five to 10 that we've seen this um, huge revolutionary change in how it has impacted pretty much everybody making less than six figures. Every single person that goes to Stanford needs a place to live. Rachel says Stanford has always housed most of its undergrads and even some of its postgrads. The university also leases homes to faculty at below market rate prices. But Stanford can't house everybody. And for those who can't get help, they're like the rest of us, trying to figure out how much they can spend for a place to live and where that's going to be. This isn't something that has met the needs of 100% of its faculty. And that's where we get to the current conflict uh, with Santa Clara County supervisors. The question at hand today is not whether Stanford is a good school. It's about who gets to reap the benefits of development and who has to bear the cost. Stanford's not done growing. The school's latest expansion plan proposed adding an additional 3.5 million square feet over the next 15 years. And part of that growth would mean the school expects more than 9,000 more students, faculty, and staff. Santa Clara County supervisors are in charge of signing off on that plan. And for the first time ever, the county is saying, hey, Stanford, you need to also provide housing to all these people, which is four times the amount the university wanted to provide. This is something Stanford has never been asked to do before. This is a shift in perspective, uh, a shift in demand coming from the local community saying, whoa, the way you've been approaching it all these decades up till now, not going to work anymore. Their response is, this isn't a negotiation. We're, we're laying down the terms. You choose. That's thousands of units. How, how would they even do that? What would that look like? Well, you know, they have a, an endowment of $30 billion. <laughs> so they're not short on <laughs> and cash. And they have a lot of land, so they're not short on land. It's not like they have to purchase the land to make it happen. And we're not just talking the foothills. They have a lot of land in the flat part of the peninsula. Just as supervisors were getting ready to vote on Stanford's expansion plan last Friday, news broke. Days before supervisors were expected to take up a vote on the general use permit plan, Stanford pulled out. 
And now it's completely unclear. We don't know, you know, will they pick up the application process again? Uh, If so, do they start from zero? Do they have to start with something completely fresh? Or can we pick up where the conversation left off? A lot of this is just up in the air. Rachel says Stanford's been pretty tight-lipped about why they pulled out. But she says the county's asking the university to take on roles that it hasn't had to take on, like more housing, better traffic plans, and that there's definitely some hesitation from the university over that. What do you think this conversation that we're having about Stanford says about how we're starting to kind of reframe who's responsible for fixing the housing crisis? Well... As we've been talking, you know, it's it's pretty clear that we now think of these large landowners in Silicon Valley as um, needing to do more than um, than just spectate. They need to be active participants in addressing what is, after all, a community crisis. Um, I don't think anybody blames them entirely. There are a lot of different factors that play into this crisis. You know, local zoning rules bear a lot of the responsibility. Proposition 13, there's a long history there of all kinds of frustrating and uh, inequitable impacts. Um, so, So nobody blames Stanford or Google or Apple entirely. That's it's simply unfair. But on the flip side, I think the local communities, especially in the Silicon Valley, are saying, we want you to do more. You have to do more. So this is where it gets really interesting, because now we're asking ourselves this question in the Bay Area, who's responsible for building housing? And I wonder if the conversation's changed about who is responsible, or we're looking to people who are organizations or companies who we haven't looked to in the past. You know, if you're Stanford or you're Google or Apple, you know, we we educate students, we write software, we produce fabulous, you know, gadgets. Um, that's mm. our job. Your job, community, is to deal with the housing piece of it. Zoning decisions, that, that property development decisions were between private developers and local and regional governments. That's how it works. It was a very rational way to think for a very long time. It's only recently that I think these organizations have felt felt a certain kind of, at the very least, PR pressure to look like they care, like they give a damn about what's happening around them. Rachel Myro is senior editor of KQED's Silicon Valley Desk. Rachel says that one of the goals of the project looking into who owns Silicon Valley is really to have everybody think about their role in the housing crisis, especially those who have the land and really who have the power to make a difference. Also, I just wanted to mention that the last episode on the Arinda shooting got a lot of you talking, and that's really what we hope the show does. So please keep these conversations going. You can always hit us up on Twitter. We're at the Bay KQED. Or you could send us an email. We are thebay at kqed.org. The Bay was produced this week by Erica Cruz Guevara, Marisol Madina Cadena, and Julia Scott. KQED's leadership team includes Julie Kane, Vinnie Tong, Ethan Lindsay, and Holly Kernan. I'm Devin Kadiyama. Just a quick note that we are taking Monday off, but we'll be back with you on Wednesday. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? It's history, it's people, it's unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. 
I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks.